Okay, ready? Yep. Everybody's audio working? Yes. Rafe Lanford, make a noise. Make a noise. <laughs> <clears throat> I was just looking something up. My dream is to work as a health and safety officer in a cheese factory, and I won't let anyone stand in my way. Oh, right. Way. W-H-E-Y. Downhill from here. <laughs> Hello and welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile technology and the world around it. My name is Ben Smith. I'm Ewan McLeod. And I'm Rafe Blanford. This is Season 21, Episode 1, and after a short 18-month break, we're back to discuss Apple's announcement of the Vision Pro headset and the future of spatial computing. Back, chaps, it's been a, a long break, but we're back with a new 361 episode. You and McLeod, you are in a different place to when we recorded last time. Yes, I'm back and hopefully sounding a lot better, right? I'm a lot even, even further buttery smooth from England. Hello. You're in the right time zone. I am. One true time zone. That's right. And Rafe Blanford, welcome. Hello, everyone. Yeah, it's great to be back. Lots of people have written in on Mastodon and um, by email through the, the contact page, sort of asking, you know, where are you? What's going on? And we'll address that at the end. So hang yes. around to the end of the show and we'll talk about you know, kind of where we've been and what's going on. Lots of news, exactly. For now, I feel the need to do some actual podcasting. I want to talk about some stuff. So why Mm. don't we dive into some actual content and we'll do housekeeping at the end. Yes. And one of the nice things about taking a massive break away from podcasting is that stuff has happened. And we're not really ever going to be a news podcast, but as we record this, stuff has just happened in the last 48 hours. And that's the WWDC presentation by Apple uh, of their new mixed reality headset. Mm. And that makes me want to do podcasting because it's the first time I've been interested in a whole new technology platform for a long time. I know there'll be people listening who aren't kind of Apple aficionados and, you know, kind of will have seen the press coverage, but won't know in detail what it is and why it's interesting. So before we get into the meat and drink, Rafe Blanford, can you just do a very quick summary of what we mean by mixed reality, and then we'll go on to talk about the device that Apple's launched. So mixed reality is using typically a head-mounted display, but it can also be done in a number of other ways to kind of mix the physical and the digital world, and hence the mixed reality. So a digital overlay on the physical world, typically through the eyes. And so overlay, that's what people call augmented reality. So that's like heads-up display or something like that. And virtual reality, which is where I'm looking at to a completely projected image, is the one perhaps that people might be familiar with, like gaming headsets and things like that. Where you, the meta quest. Exactly, where you sort of strap it on and you can't see anything except a big picture in front of you. Mm. And Apple's device, I think, is going to have both of those modes in a kind of a blend. Yeah. Ewan. Mm. Let's just talk very quickly about devices on the market and stuff, because we'll come to what Apple have announced in detail, but they're not the first to market with a device. So there are other virtual reality and augmented reality devices out there at the moment. Uh, You mentioned the MetaQuest. You've got one, have you? Uh, So we've got a couple of these MetaQuests. Uh, We don't have the the apps at latest. So the the most recent one was last week, just announced what was $600. And before that, is it? See, it's a thousand dollars that, um, and that's my son was going, Oh, could we get that one? And I just said, mm, mm. So, we have the Meta Quest 2, and my eldest son, 13, loves, loves, loves it. Big, big fan. Then you've also got the Microsoft HoloLens, which I think is, uh, I was really excited when that was announced way back. So, 2018, 20, no, 2016, I think it was. Not much has happened commercially, um, from, from a consumer point of view on that. There's quite a few other different brand names, but really I think Meta has come through as the key one, right? In in the consciousness. I'm kind of curious, like why is any virtual reality or augmented reality device good? Like what was the appeal for your son, for example? He just likes the, I think, going into different worlds because I ask him about this a lot and I think it's, it's, he finds it difficult to describe because it's just gaming for him. But, but I think it, it's I think he likes in, the um what's it, is include not inclusive but immersive. That's it. Right. He likes that immersive reality, and he likes the physical versus 
the virtual because he likes to wave his arms around. He does like to walk around a little bit you know, in, in the room and he, he really enjoys that whole experience. So there's plenty of devices out there that will hook up to your PC or your games console. Mm. Back in the bad old days, you used to be able to put like a mobile phone in front of your eyes in the very cheap, janky ones. And the Oculus devices, if memory serves Rafe, they are quite cheap, but they're completely standalone headsets that you just strap on and all the computing power and batteries and everything are actually kind of in this set of like diving goggles kind of arrangement that you wear like it maybe ski goggles or something looks like over your face yeah. but you can't see through it but my recollection is that most of the ones that i've seen people actually own have been quite affordable you know sort of the price of an entertainment product the price of a games console or the price of a, a gaming computer and have mostly been for gaming and that's kind of i think why the apple device is interesting rafe isn't it because i think apple have come at this from a completely different end of the spectrum. I think that's right. I mean, I would actually divide it into kind of three categories. There's the standard... I knew we'd have the analysts take. <laughs> I've missed this. <laughs> it's the kind of standalone category, which is the, the Quest 2 and the Quest 3 that's just been announced. And they're the Facebook products? Yes, the Meta products. And actually, you know, uh, Mark Zuckerberg kind of bet Facebook around the Metaverse and everything else. And I'm sure we'll come back to that. But then there's been the ones that I think are attached to gaming. So the PSVR mm. and the PSVR 2 are probably the best examples of that. And they're the Sony PlayStation ones. So for, pe- you know, for people who yeah. aren't gamers, that's, the, that's a you know, massive uh, home gaming platform. That's right. And there's also kind of equivalents from uh, Valve as well. Mm. I think it's the Valve Index, which is kind of the best one for gaming. It's interesting, that third category is then more the professional ones, and I'd put the HTC Vive Pro 2 into that category. You're kind of talking, you know, the first ones are the, the kind of three to five hundred pounds, then you go into the middle range, and then at the top end, the kind of Valve Index and the Vive Pro are a thousand to fifteen hundred pounds. And so pricing is something we'll talk about in a minute, but they have been focused around VR for the most part. And then the mixed reality has been a little bit separate and you refer to HoloLens there. There are some others and like uh, the Meta devices have started to introduce path through and we'll talk about that as well. So there has been a lot of activity, but the only really significant levels of sales have been from the gaming ones, PlayStation, HTC kind of positioning itself. It used to be all about phones, much more about kind of head-mounted displays, VR, and then uh, Facebook putting so much into it with the uh, MetaQuest, where they were almost giving away the devices or they were breaking even. Can I just uh, make a point? It's been interesting you know, listening to this because I don't really care. We all, <laughs> right? And, and I, I think the only reason that we do care now is because of yesterday's announcement and all the rumors leading up to it. Do you see? I, I, it's interesting. Uh, uh, for the last six months, Meta has been bashed against the wall for betting the house on meta, on metaverse, and then having to quickly go, no, 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 don't, don't, we didn't mean that. The AI, generative AI. Uh, and it's really interesting that you know, all of these devices and concepts that Rafe has been talking about, I don't think have caught much in the way of the, the, the public imagination at all. Is that fair? Yeah. And actually, I think I, I want to put a pin in the whole metaverse thing, because for now, I'm kind of curious just about the physical device that I put on my head and that there's a whole bunch of different, you know, kind of bits of hardware I could wear and some of them are low power and some of them are high power and some of them are linked mm. to game systems and some of them stand alone, etc. But the metaverse is, I think, this idea of a kind of a... Rafe's going to wince at this, so forgive me, Rafe, this is not a good definition, but it's a kind of a an internet but in an imaginary space, you know, kind of you, you navigate information and resources and stuff in this kind of imaginary world. And for me, that's kind of interesting, but accessing that through a virtual reality headset is one way of interacting with it. But you could also interact with it through a 2D screen, you know, scrolling around, you know, like walking around like you can in games and things. So I kind of, let's put a pin in the whole metaverse thing, because I think it could be a rabbit hole. But I think, yeah, you're definitely right. I didn't really care about virtual reality. Now, I had an Oculus Quest 2, which I played with twice and then sold because <laughs> it was you know, curious, but you know, it was a toy that I didn't have time to play with. But I am now interested in this because as ever, when Apple enters a space, it goes big mm-hmm. and Apple's done something really different. And I think 
now would be a useful time to sort of talk about that before we then can get into the meat and drink of having some opinions. I would just suggest a slight counterpoint to that in that immersion has been around for a long time and actually VR goes way back kind of 30 years or so in terms of its origins and maybe even longer. The thing is though, it's always been talked about as a kind of new computing paradigm, but I think it's been struggling to get there because it's been very easy to criticise the headsets. It's a big thing on your face. The battery life is limited. It's heavy and everything like that. And it does feel like this is the moment where there's been a little bit of a reset around expectations. And we're talking about it, despite, let's be honest, none of us have used this. But what's coming out and the way that Apple is positioning, and I think one of the fascinating things that we'll get into is they've talked about it as spatial computing. I suspect mm-hmm. very much in a way to reset things. They didn't yeah. actually mention VR or mixed reality. It was all about spatial computing and immersion. And that is the sort of that step change in that repackaging that Apple does. Because when we actually look at the detail, there isn't anything that is one big new innovation. They've packaged everything up. And it's stuff that's been individually in headsets all in one from a hardware point of view, it is the best on the market, I think, and the design is there as well. In seven months. But as we get into the detail, it is a little bit tempting to just go, Apple always do this. So I think it's, you know, the reality distortion field is still in effect sort of 48 hours later. Killjoy. It's, I mean, Tim Cook said two things, I think, during the presentation, which I think are, are interesting. One is, this is the biggest announcement we'd ever made at the developer conference. So they are not going small on how important they see this as a platform. The idea of, as you said, Rafe, spatial computing and perhaps you know this headset being the first of a whole set of products. But then also, uh, he said, this is the first Apple device you look through rather than looking at. And he think that was kind of a really important way of framing it. I mean, Steve Jobs, <laughs> for his sins, used to be great at kind of just capturing the real essence of a product mm, yes. and communicating it in those famous keynote presentations that people have talked about. And, you know, I think his history has been rewritten after his death and he's been sort of overstated as, as, as a, a better communicator than perhaps he was. He's mm. doing a better job than I am now. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think, I think the point was that that was a talent. And you know, go back to the launch of the iPhone and, you know, what was the iPhone? It was a touchscreen iPod. Mm. It was an internet communicator and it was a telephone. Say it again. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, we've launched in three mm-hmm. devices today. And I think that it's really interesting that they are signposting platform from the get-go because if nothing else, and, and I take your comments about reality distortion field, Rafe, they're not going small on ambition on this. And that's why I think I'm excited to talk about it now. And I'm excited because you look at this, this is really the first innovation or new category from Apple in 10 years. It's the first one that is wholly under Tim Cook's watch. I mean, you have to really go back to the Apple Watch and then iPads and iPhones. So this is a big moment for Apple and we've heard them having various things in development, but a lot of the last 10 years has been about iterative improvements on categories they already had. And like you say, they have made a big deal of this and the whole way they're positioning it and talking about it, you know, this is a big bet on what the future of computing looks like. So before we go any further, I think for those that are not Apple nerds and might not have, have listened to the keynote yet or only seen sort of mainstream press coverage, we should just recap what this device is. Mm-hmm. It's a set of ski goggles covered in cameras that sense your location, your eye tracking, your position. They track your hands. They track the room. They allow you to see through and they project the world around you onto the screen so that you can see it and it tracks your eye movement to see where you're looking. But crucially, it also projects pictures of your eyes onto the outside of the goggles so Mm. that people have a sort of a simulated view of you. Yes. It's really, really aware of your location and the fidelity of the image of your surroundings is very high quality. There's a dial on the top that allows you to sort of dial in and out the amount of the outside world you can see. So for example, if you're in movie cinema mode, you can flip the dial one way and sort of be blacked really out, cool. you know, and just mm, see on the huge mm. screen. But actually they also showed a demo where somebody was having a conversation with somebody adjacent to them, you know, in a normal way. Now I, I felt that was a bit odd. It felt a little bit forced, but clearly they feel that you can interact with the real world here. It's incredibly high quality 
screen, incredibly high quality audio that sits above uh, special speakers above your ears. It has very low latency and that is effectively the delay between the cameras capturing images of your surroundings mm-hmm. or the movement mm-hmm. of your hands yeah. and that being reflected in the interface. That's really important because that can feel very strange when you start to, when you interact with a computer and there's a noticeable delay, it can cause motion sickness for people that suffer from that. But also if you think about writing on an iPad screen in the original days, writing on an iPad screen had very high latency and you would sign your you would sign your name and you would see the ink kind of follow you across the page. And as the latency has reduced and reduced and reduced, it becomes more as if your pen is interacting directly with the surface. And Rafe, the hardware in this device is absolute top notch that I think anyone's seen in mainstream sort of commercial products, perhaps in industrial or enterprise applications, there are, are higher spec things, but it seems to sort of try and tick every single box. And Three and a half thousand dollars is the price tag for this standalone unit that doesn't connect to a computer or a phone, although it can interact with those devices. So the thing that struck me at the end was, wow, you know, like I spend my whole time working to build digital products, and we always talk about getting the first one out the door as the most basic, and then incrementing, and incrementing. And I was sort of yeah. having a bit of a panic attack. I go, oh man, like this device. Clearly, that it could be improved. You know, it looks like a big device and some people have mocked the relatively low two-hour battery life. But, like, this is a very high bar for version one of a product, isn't it? It is. And I think it kind of gives a bit more authenticity to the Pro label, which I feel has been misused in a lot of products. And you're right, that hardware is impressive. I also think just the weight and size is impressive. It's about a pound. But then if you look at those screens inside that you refer to, they're 4K. And then the kind of the density of that screen is pretty incredible. But it's also the things that make me go, oh, that's interesting, is it's got the high field of view. They haven't released that, but the people have had hands on. And what I mean by that is you see, you know, the immersion feels real because you can move your eyes around and you're still seeing the screen. That's been an issue with some of the kind of mixed reality like uh, HoloLens. It's also got something called foveated rendering. So that means where your eyes are looking, it spends extra computing resource to render that more accurately. So it's a way of kind of tuning (laughs) performance. And then you mentioned the latency and the hand control. What I feel is a lot of the innovations that we've seen in individual VR headsets put into one and then given the Apple spin a, a bit of an extra step up. And that also applies to the material design. It is light you know, it's going to fit on your head well. The curved glass, I mean, the optics alone in that are pretty incredible and all the cameras on the outside. So, I mean, it's the kind of sign of what you can do with billions in research and development and with Apple's kind of care around customer design. And for something at that price, it is still being targeted at consumers. I mean, there are definitely business applications, but we haven't seen really anything like this targeted at the consumer market in this space. You refer to those kind of enterprise applications and HoloLens was in that category. This is different. And actually, that's where I sort of, you listen to the technical specifications and you look at the demonstration, you think this is a remarkable feat of sensors and cameras mm. and screens. And as you say, Rave, in, you know, design to make it light and comfortable. I mean, it still looks fairly chunky, but it, it weighs less than many of the competing products and the quality of the screen is substantially greater. Once you're sort of finished being wowed by the specs, and, and you know, again, I think you hit the nail on the head, Rafe. It's like, what could I build if I had infinite money? Well, you know, <laughs> this is what Apple have come up with. I guess where I'm less clear and where I think there's perhaps a more interesting conversation is, what's it for? Mm-hmm. Because you and they showed two distinct scenes. So they were like, you can use it in the office. And there was a man sort of basically going, <laughs> oh, yes, I'm just doing some computing on my 100-inch screen. And, you know, kind of he he had his applications in front of him and he was stood in an office. And I'm not sure if I entirely buy that. And then they flipped to a home view where people were consuming media, they were Mm. watching movies and things. And there was a particular scene where a dad, I think, was watching his children open birthday presents or something. And he was wearing the headset, using it to capture like a 3D video recording of them in front of him which he would then be able to sort of play back in the, in the yes. headset. Yes. And I think looking at the coverage that there's been so far, something that I haven't felt has been described yet 
effectively is what's it for? I mean, do you mm. look at this and think, oh, yes, I must have one? Because, I mean, if, let's be honest, if any of the three of us is going to splash three and a half grand up the wall on a potentially useless tech, it's going to be one either you or I, isn't it? <laughs> oh, you, you, you rescued it right at the end there. Well, you know, it's mostly you. Yes. So I am certainly, definitely, yes, I am buying one. That saved me a job. In part to answer that question. Yeah. What is it for? Now, there's 34 million. This was, I think, as of last year registered app store developers. I am one of them. I haven't had any yeah, anything published in the app store, I should point out, right? I was going to say that. <laughs> Apart from the mobile industry review app years ago. Right. Uh, but it wasn't under my, my developer account. But there's thir- 34 million developers. And let's just assume uh, a million of those are professional, or even let's say 500,000 of them are ultra, ultra serious professionals. I think this is one of the world's largest beta projects, right? Because I think what they've done it said, look, here's the absolute best we can do at the moment, you know, at a, an accessible price point for some individuals. Now, what are you going to do with it? And I think this is where Apple will lean heavily on the huge ecosystem around them. So, for example, let's talk about Bloomberg, right? Financial data. We've already got lots of excitement going on with generative AI, which we need to come to at some point. I'm really excited by Bloomberg AI. Right, so a large language model that is trained in all accurate, really accurate Bloomberg financial data. Right. Okay. So now, just as an example, with that headset, with the Reality Pro on, what can I do? Vision like, Pro. Oh, Vision Pro. Reality Pro. I, I had that in my head. Is it what is called the Reality Vision Pro? No, it's called the Vision Pro. The Vision but reality, Pro. Reality, reality, reality was its rumored name. Reality Vision, but no reality. The no Vision reality. Pro. Yeah. The only reality is the software you use to make apps. So Reality Composer. Is- yeah. Right, there you go. Right. Okay, but it doesn't Thanks matter. for clearing that up. Excellent. That's great. I, I knew you'd appreciate I, the yeah. precision. Uh, absolutely. I am imagining, for example, sticking on my Vision Pro made with reality software and, I, and then being able to really do some very exciting things with data, with visualizations, throwing stuff around. I'm thinking Minority Report. I'm thinking lots and lots of sci-fi. You're flicking stuff off, flicking stuff. I think that could be really, really exciting. Bring this forward, show me this. Do it. Yeah, I want to see all this data here. And yeah, the amount of space that you get. And if, if you're anything like me, and I know some people aren't, I lack for desktop space, right? So sometimes I'll have three 30-odd-inch monitors. In fact, in the hotel I've, I've been working in in Dubai, I've, I've had a 40-inch monitor and it's not yeah it's almost in it's not quite enough i want lots of space so i think from a, a work productivity standpoint i don't know how i type i'm not sure how i type yet right with this thing well there's there's three options one is you can waggle your fingers in the air and type on an imaginary keyboard i think that is probably the default basic kind of suboptimal version when you yep. put the thing Sounds, on for yes. typing your username and password right you can connect a bluetooth Keyboard and mouse yeah. cool. to interact. So you, certain... sat at a desk. you had to be sat at a desk for that. Okay, fine. Or I could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or standing up. Yeah, yeah. Or the other thing is you can open up a laptop and then you look down at the MacBook. It's going to be an Apple laptop. Yes. And then the screen becomes projected up onto the Vision Pro right. and, and it becomes like a virtual but you've monitor. Got the whole, see, I am just thinking the whole of my vision, right? With lots of different screens in focus, out of focus, bringing stuff forward, brings, and, and I'm waving my arms around big time here, right? I think that could be very, very exciting. And I'm just talking about one example. Now, so what will the Bloomberg guys do with this? Okay, right. Now, what will the NatWest banking guys do? Now, what will the... So- yeah, there are so many people out there who make games, who make this, who make that. Yeah, the apps, you know, the app ecosystem is what made iPhone and you know, potentially Apple, this whole thing. I think they are going to discover some astonishing things. Now, further, let me go further to say, you know, what I'm excited by with Apple is they have this unique opportunity or unique capability, I should say, of getting through to the boardroom, right? So you pitch this, you pitch that, you pitch everything. This Android thing does this Android, this, this Nokia, this uh, Apple does something. The boardroom pays attention. Um, all of a sudden, money is available for testing, right? Yes, but we could do it on Android right now. Yes, yeah, no one's interested until Apple launches it. So that, 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 that's very, very powerful, that. And I think that's still the reality today. So once you know, Apple Pay launches, everyone goes, oh, we, we should probably support that. Google Pay launches, 
you know, quite a while before that, not much interest from the boardroom. So I think all of a sudden you're going to see, you know, we already saw Disney up there, right? But every single company that does anything exciting in mobile apps will have an app or will be evaluating right now what they're going to do with the Reality Pro. Once they get it in seven months, you know, but they'll start, they'll start now, but once they get it, they'll refine it, refine it, refine it. I think it's going to be very, very exciting. Really compelling. Yeah. I, just before I come to Rafe, I want to put some words in your mouth though, because obviously, you know, all of those things are true and real for you. You talked about, you know, sort of wanting data and wanting to work on it and those sorts of things. But can I sort of suggest to you that actually the real answer that you just gave was to play, to experiment, that mm. you don't actually yes. have uh, like a clear view of I'm going to do this task, but you think that the freedom that it might give and the options to do things differently are you know, a, a space that you want to go and experiment yes. in. I think that's where I think we are going to be blown away by the ingenuity of those 30-odd million or maybe even just 100,000 developers coming up with different amazing ideas, I think will be quite competitive, I, I, I would imagine. And I can't argue with any of that, Rafe, because the idea of strapping on a headset that's comfortable and has got my glasses lenses magnetically attached in, so I'm not, you know, uncomfortably, the Oculus used to squash my glasses and made it uncomfortable for me to use. And, you know, to put it on and to have a Apple quality experience. And, I, you know, I'm an unashamed Apple fanboy, you know, like I like their taste, you know, what they think is good, I generally think is good. But I was thinking back to what Ewan was saying and trying to compare it to other platforms. So, you know, they devised AirPods, which were not the first Bluetooth headset, but they made uh, having wireless earbuds in all the time much more accessible and much higher quality experience. Acceptable. Acceptable, right? Because you looked an idiot. We all looked idiots with these big white things hanging out of our ears. And smartwatches and tablets and those sorts of things. But all of those things started with a kind of middle tier kind of accessible priced version. And then they added, so, you know, the iPad launched and it was the middle tier accessible one. And then they launched a cheaper one and then they launched a more high spec one. The original AirPods launched and then the Pro version came out with the extra features. The watch launched and then subsequently the Ultra with all the you know bells and whistles launched. I don't want to criticize the price because I don't think at this stage we can know whether it's good value or not. But I'm still stuck on the idea that three and a half thousand dollars isn't the middle tier of a dot is it you know is it the middle tier of a platform you know is this is this we're all going to have one more three and a half thousand pound device in our lives that we're totally going to start paying for because i suppose we have rather mobile phones when you and i started being interested in them were tens of pounds a month or hundreds of pounds outright purchase and now we quite willingly accept thousand fifteen hundred pound devices as the norm, is this just recalibrating what we expect to have as, as another device in our lives now? I think it's actually about when Apple have entered the market and how mature it is. I think they've had to go to that price point to get something that is good enough to be not open to immediate criticism. We started by talking how a lot of the others didn't work. And so I think Apple wants mm. to set a new benchmark or achieve a certain amount of things. So I think this is going to be an example of when things will be commoditized and some of the components and the manufacturer will be sorted out for scale and then the price will come down but apple has always been very clear that it doesn't go kind of low end that often happens later on so there is a minimum expectation from any apple customer that it's going to be sort of good enough and i think we've almost become inured to that and it's worth remembering the early smartphones were also very expensive compared to feature phones i mean People were used to getting a phone for maybe £100. The high-end smartphones were £500. If you look at that, that's a five times ratio. We're not that far away from a £500 headset going up to £2,500 for Apple. So I think it's the reality is it had to be pro first because otherwise it would have failed in the market because it wasn't good enough. I mean, a friend of mine, Lorenzo, posted a really interesting tweet that this is kind of the first one where it feels like it's worth having a conversation about it being good enough and going into the consumer mindset. There is something I want to pick up from what Ewan said, though, that kind of thousands of apps. There is a lot that's right out of the traditional Apple playbook here. And actually, if you looked at the examples, they were putting their existing apps and services into 2D space. 
for something that's you know a 3d device mm. actually there were relatively few demos it was really about putting your existing apps and services into the world around you that kind of infinite desktop just quickly Rafe, I, I'll, I'll let you carry on that thought but i noticed in some of the commentary that even the apple apps they demonstrated some of them were the ipad apps so i think it was the calendar not the only one but calendar was one of the apps where when you see it on the screen it is the ipad version of the app kind of projected into a square window floating in front of you and it's not the vision pro optimized version of the app Yet. where in other other cases they've written mm. bespoke versions of their popular apps uh, you know specifically for that headset so it's interesting the extent to which you know that crossover is so good they were willing to show it in the launch demo yeah. and and actually many people didn't even notice it you know until okay. until yeah well, until until the experts well, there's a calendar. Out. Great. Next. Yeah. yeah. And for me, that's actually kind of one of the key questions is, are we just seeing that because it's so early in the life cycle mm. and WWDC, that's where someone's going to work out what the really brilliant use cases are. But no, I actually genuinely think kind of having the infinite desktop, if you like, in the space around you with the apps you already use is interesting because a lot of these headsets have been about immersion and 3D. But actually, you don't want to do that for hours. Anyone who's used VR, it is quite fatiguing. Mm. Yes. And so, you know, not being exhausted by surround 3D, but actually thinking about those use cases. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. There were the VR and the mixed reality things with 3D dinosaurs and then immersive sports and all those sorts of things. And that's actually what the other thing that struck me. So it's kind of like an extension of the computing platform with putting your apps all around you. But then the other use cases, it was very traditional Apple, how can it enhance or how can it make your life better? So replacing a monitor or TV, you know, mm. a virtual monitor that's so big, it wouldn't fit through the front door. I thought that was a nice bit of phrasing, mm. kind of immersive entertainment with the idea you could have multi-view sports. That's kind of the sports and entertainment equivalent of Ewan's Bloomberg screens being all over the place. And I think they showed the NBA. You can almost imagine any sports or the Olympics being able to see loads of things at the same time and mix that in with kind of replays and models and things like that. But it was also new ways to connect and collaborate, like the FaceTime with the volumetric mm. capture, and then photos that were kind of captured in 3D and kind of those immersive memories. There wasn't anything that was actually, oh, this is a brand new thing. That's maybe harsh, but it kind of spoke to the fact that it is a new computing paradigm and platform, spatial computing. I think the time I was reminded that this was a version one product most was in those demos where if it had been a sci-fi movie, it would have been like a dystopian kind of vision of the future <laughs> kind of one, because there was lots of people sitting alone in sparse environments and they put the headset on and they were immersed in things that they were interested in. And in some cases, they interacted with the world around them and sometimes they even spoke to people around them, but it was a very solitary experience. And Apple have tried to kind of give a nod to that because the projection of your eyes, I think it's mm. called eyesight, isn't it? The projection of your yep. eyes on yes. the outside yes. of the of the goggles kind of slightly hazes over with a kind of a like a swirly pattern, the less engaged you are. So if you're watching a movie and you've turned off the outside world view, you know, kind of it swirls over your eyes. So people can <laughs> sort of get a sense of, are you here right now or not? But nevertheless, it was kind of interesting that these people were solitary watching their sport or watching their movies or engaging with this content. And it was at that point where kind of the little voice in my head sort of said, these need to be regular glasses as soon as possible. Mm. And I thought, actually, the one that's going to sell is not the one that you strap on and, you know, kind of exactly, sit with yeah. a giant thing on your head, kind of isolated. It's going to be the ones where you wear casually thrown on regular glasses and actually, you might be looking at a normal screen. You might be sat with your family watching a traditional screen, a television or a projector or something like that, and the augmentation is around that. So your glasses might show you the replay or the sports scores or something additional to what's on the screen. But the whole setup around, oh, you could have, you know, kind of this will replace a giant TV. Well, I think in practice, not for many people, because very few of us have big screen entertainment systems and stereos mm. and those sorts of things for one person in the house to use alone at one time. I think that's exactly right. And it's kind of almost like the Apple's perception or trying to position things gives that, I'd almost say, false impression. So for me, the big question is actually that acceptance factor of putting something so dominant on your face, particularly when you're in an environment with more than one person. I mean, I could see this replacing screens in the office, but as you said, it's a bit dystopian. 
that's a much bigger leap than saying, let's put a computer in your pocket by having a glass slab with a, a screen on it. And so for me, that is kind of like the outstanding question. I think Apple's done a great job on hardware. They'll do a good job on software and positioning. They'll get the content in there, but there's almost a societal acceptance factor. You think back to Google Glass, for example. I hated that. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't think anyone knows. But if it's a big enough advantage, if it gives you something, like people will accept it. But I think that's a much bigger step up. And you talked about those glasses and all the rumors suggest that Apple did look at basically more pass through AI and glasses, but there are a lot more technical challenges to solve there. And I would suggest we're five to 10 years off that. So for me, the question coming out of this is how big can this go because of both the price, but also ultimately what it's looked like putting, whether you call it the ski goggles on Mm -hmm. your face or whatever. And that, that can get small, but fundamentally at the moment, technology means it does have to be something that kind of takes you out of the world and i am impressed by the way that apple has tried to connect you back into the world with eyesight and with the password and Mm -hmm. let's be clear like this is a path through that is way more impressive than anything else that's on the market so people who use it were saying you can write notes you can use a computer you can use a phone and anything else and walk around but i mean can you imagine sitting on a train wearing one of these and then going off to the dining car or whatever or (laughs) dining car if we're traveling on the Orange Express in the late 1800s. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean... Dinner jacket. Um, or what it is. And, you know, yeah, yeah. I can see it on a plane. I mean, On a plane would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. For me, the thing that immediately leapt to mind, take out the in-flight entertainment systems in first class and give everybody one of these. Yeah. That's interesting. But, like, walking around, I just don't know. And so I think that's it. That's because one of the times that I wear my noise-cancelling headphones is on planes because it makes the journey much more pleasant. I can, I can listen to my music, yes. I can watch stuff on my iPad, but also you know, it takes out the airplane noise and it's just a less stressful experience. And you know, there's all kinds of cleverness, transparency mode and things, and I think people that have been AirPods around for long enough that flight attendants and people in that situation know well that just because I'm wearing headphones, I can probably still hear you. I can yeah, have a conversation because yeah, yeah. I press the button and I yeah. did you know, kind of listen through mode on my AirPods. But how many years are we now into AirPods? However many years I've been wearing, you know, kind of wireless Bluetooth headsets, I still take them off or take them out when I'm talking to other people because there's that kind of social acceptability etiquette thing. And I just can't imagine sitting on a plane and perhaps, you know, kind of somebody comes to serve you your food and you leave your goggles on and you talk to them and they can see your eyes and you can see them and (laughs) you're completely in transparency mode. But there's a screen you know, kind of between you and them. I think it's going to take a a while. It doesn't feel immediately obvious to me that people would not sort of take them off and disengage because now I'm having a human interaction. I think the one counterpoint to it is we can't always imagine how those things shift and, you know, like automotives coming in and displacing horses. But the one that is interesting for me more recently is everyone using a phone. And actually, if you look at Gen Z kind of being attached to them and people talking about it being rude, it's surprising what can become accepted if you get past that tipping point. A bit like having Alexa in the home and the idea of a disembodied mm. voice is now very mainstream. I do think this is more physically disruptive, so I think the barrier is bigger, but I wouldn't rule it out altogether. And I think it's worth saying that this is the first version. Imagine where it is in five years' time. And so that's mm. for me why this conversation, uh, you have to be a bit careful to divorce the hardware where it is yeah. right now from what may happen. And the same is in software. Like we're talking about existing use cases. Who knows what comes in the same way with, you know, mobiles and smartphones. I don't think most people would have predicted that kind of social media on-demand services and everything else, having looked at the first iPhone, where it was the iBear app. And so Captain Cash, (laughs) this is where my wallet might stay closed whilst yours opens. Not because I think like you said anything wrong. Like I'm also really excited. It's just that thing of I've lived through more than 10 years of smartphone development you know the pace of improvement has been such that i've nearly changed my handset every single year perhaps maybe once every two years at most but things have got better at such a rate that i've wanted to turn them over you know mm. on a regular basis and i can't imagine you know having a gen 1 iphone which i think is the analogous kind of you know complexity maturity level for 3 or 4 or 5 years because i think you know, this three and a half thousand dollar device, you know, it will be amazing at launch and it's way different, but it will be 
a pale comparison to Apple's version 2, even if they are the only ones who can make these good devices, that they'll very quickly iterate through the challenges. And so those sort of second and third versions will be the ones that you can actually settle into and use more regularly because, Mm. as, as Rafe says, you know, they'll become more socially acceptable, they'll be smaller, lighter, less intrusive. I personally have still a bit of an uncanny valley reaction to the eyesight projected eyes. I, I'm not sure I, I like them. I mean, I've not yet seen them in person, but you know, kind of first reactions were much like the Google Glass about kind of having this something in front of your eyes. And I think that they'll very quickly either improve that to the point of you genuinely can see through because you can see my actual eyes through transparent electronics, mm. or you know, the versions will move on and, and you know, kind of the projection will be really real and that three and a half thousand device will look, you know, old quickly. Well, this is the deal with Apple. The reality is they are working on the Vision Pro 2, the Vision whatever, right right now. I think we've got to be careful that this this thing's seven, seven months, roughly, away. Yeah, at least. From, in, in, yeah, at least in people's, yeah, at least. Well, seven months in the US and, and longer. I think the UK will be one of the first post-US launch markets, they've said, but that's still... At least three quarters of a year away, and that's you know, dollars versus pounds means it will be what f- just under four thousand pounds, four grand. Right. However, however, let me point out that part of my business, part of my way of generating value, is knowing you're in brand, knowing about this stuff, right? So yeah, yeah I wouldn't want to use the first generation iPhone, right? But the amount I had mine sent over. From the US. From the US. I got someone to FedEx it to me. Yeah. And the value that I got from that commercially, you know, by looking at it going, oh my gosh, right, it's in my hand. I can now see exactly what, yeah, I'm confirming what I'm thinking. Here are my recommendations to, commercially and so on. You know, that's really, really, really important. And I remember there was, a, there was a massive, massive mobile operator that approached me and said, oh, can we borrow that? Because we want to show the board. <laughs> right? In the UK, I was astonished. Yeah. So I, yeah, he, he came and picked it up, the guy, yeah. and took it to show his senior people, and they all fawned over it. But the point was, I had it, and I was able to monetize a perspective as a result of that, right? Yeah. So yes, it's version one. I know that, right? But I want to play with it. I want to test it. I want to really inhabit it. So having seen what I saw, I think it's enough for me to go right. Okay. Well, obviously, in the next few months, we're going to start hearing what other people are thinking, right? We also know that right now, and this I want to hear Rafe's perspective on this from a brand standpoint, right now there'll be lots of memos, physical or otherwise, going into CEOs and chairmen and so on, saying that we, we need uh, half a million scoping funds you know, because Apple's released their new device. Right? And the, the amount of people who are going to say yes, as opposed to no, right? because Google releases something, Meta releases something, it doesn't matter, no, no. But there's going to be lots of yeses, lots of experimentation. So by the time we get to seven months, I think it's going to be very, very exciting. And I want to understand that, even if it goes nowhere. Now, for example, I'm yeah. quite happy to actually say, you know, pay the money and then you know, play with it. And then, you know, where we're going to be in January, February time and say, no, I agree. Or here's my opinion is it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Right. There we go. I think it's for businesses and for, you know, sort of people in the commentariat, you know, who sort of need to sort of say informed things about it. That's fine. You know, and I, I get that. I'm trying to think about yes, real humans. This, look, okay, yeah. 34 million developers, right? 34 million developers. I've just heard this is a new thing, okay? Yeah. And you've all made businesses, careers, billion, billion, billion dollar businesses you have made, right? Not all of them, right? Okay. Yeah. Have been made from this ecosystem, okay? So let's go 34 million developers. Let's come down to 100,000 or even 10,000 then, Ben, yeah. right? 10,000 developers all going to make some amazing stuff from this, right? So if the device is half good, yeah. just half good, you know, the stuff that's going to be coming to market is going to be really compelling. I don't doubt that a lot of people are going to be excited, and I think you're spot on. I mean, I've sat in rooms where people have thrown money at, you know, kind of, this could be the big new thing. Let's not get left behind. Go mm. and investigate it. I think what I'm trying to understand, though, is that some of those developers, um, the ones that I have in mind are perhaps the small independent developers, some of the people who make my absolute favorite iPhone apps Mm. are tiny little specialist niche developers who probably actually don't make billions of dollars. They make just enough to be viable, but they are so good at making, you know, those well-tailored honed apps with, you know, kind of the, 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 the very, it's very symbolic of Apple ecosystem, like the 
they spent too much time on design refining, you know, yeah. like yes. more than is economically viable. They're really fussy. And I, that's, I like that. Like they're, they're more pedantic than I am, you know, which is a good way to get me to buy a product. But what they're going to be doing is not looking at how amazing all this is and, you know, kind of all the excitement around, I could make it do X or I could make it do Y. They're going to be saying, how many people are going to be going out and buying $3,500 devices in order to buy or engage with my app? And that I could make something that is a brilliant tech demo, but that the audience for this will only be people who aren't paying themselves. So, you know, it, let's, let's ignore the kind of the people with way too much disposable income because they're a tiny, tiny group in the real world. And it's going to be enterprises, businesses, people who need to investigate this space and explore it. And, you know, what tools they need. And, but in my heart of hearts, just don't agree, don't agree. Until Ben, well, just hold hold off for a second. Just let me finish. Go on, go on. My biggest worry is that the biggest app on this device will be Microsoft Teams, because you know the people who are paying the money to you know investigate and explore this are enterprises and big businesses, and that what actually ends up getting used most is this is a very high end remote collaboration work from home no, device no, no, ben 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 you're forgetting you're for, come on you, you are forgetting the reality right that the people who made loads of money especially in the beginning from this right you know there's going to be a gold rush i would imagine i think there will be you will have some going yeah ben's absolutely right just yeah i'll wait and see but you have a lot of other people going well mm, I don't really want to risk it. And, I, and actually, when Apple come to launch the App Store bit for this, I want to be there, right? So I think there's going to be, I, I would imagine there'll be a lot of activity. I want to give the final word to Rafe Blanford on this one, because we've talked about this, like Apple exists in a vacuum. And, you know, Apple have launched this thing and their ecosystem works and we're all very excited about it. Apple have never operated in a vacuum and they might move markets, but they bring other people along with them. So... Is this the beginnings of a VR and AR headsets becoming, you know, have they, have they added another zero onto the price point of these headsets to make them more interesting for other suppliers as well, for other, for other manufacturers as well? I think that, honestly, it remains to be seen. I think the hype is going to be huge, but the marketplace re- is relatively small compared to mobile because it's going to be millions, not billions, um, for the foreseeable future. But I think I, I want to, as a concluding thought, I would take a step back and go, think back to something Steve Jobs said, which was when we invented the personal computer, we created a new kind of bicycle, a new man-machine partnership, a new generation of entrepreneurs. That quote has since become known as the bicycle for the mind. And the idea yeah. is that bicycles are things that enable humans to travel faster under their own steam than walking and kind of exponential growth and productivity and everything else. I wonder whether this Vision Pro is the next bicycle for the mind. And I don't think we've been able to ask that question in technology or devices or hardware for a long time. And this year, we're actually looking at a couple of those. And I think that's something we'll Mm. explore further this season because AI and generative AI are becoming another bicycle for the mind. And now we've got the Vision Pro, which I think is another bicycle for the mind combine those together i don't think i've been this excited about what's happening in the technology space the impact it will have on humans and everything else there's like loads of detail to get into about when and how but the fact that we're able to ask that question again kind of gives me new hope for this season of 361 podcast i'm looking forward to the nokia version that is uh, much cheaper and you can drop it and it doesn't break <laughs> as well <laughs> okay so we should wrap up there thank you very much for listening thank you very much for waiting for our uh, long-awaited return. Thank you for all the nice messages that came in. In future episodes during this season, we will be answering some of the questions that people sent in and, uh, and calling out some people by name. But in the meantime, thank you everybody who wrote in. Most of you got replies from me, but thank you very much. If you'd like to stay in touch with us, we are at 361podcast.com where you can send us messages and see all the old episodes. We are on social media, 361podcast at mastodon.social. If you're a mastodon at 361podcast on Twitter, reluctantly still mm. just about. Yes. We'll talk about social media in a future episode. But if you can follow us on Mastodon, please do. And as new and emerging social media platforms arrive, we probably will be there too, as quickly as I can arrange that. If you're interested in a bit of backstory, hang around after the music and we'll have a bit of chat about housekeeping. Otherwise, we will be back very soon. 
Later this season, we're going to be talking about smart homes and robots, smart speakers, mobile networks, Slapbury movie, electric cars, social networks, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So hopefully there's something in that for everyone. Thanks very much, gents. See ya. See ya. We'll be back soon. Bye-bye. Anyone else feeling rusty? Yes, very much so. Uh, Yes, just a little bit. Yeah. Very rusty. So I was just trying to work out when the last time we recorded was because we recorded before Christmas 2021. I think that is shocking. Absolutely shocking. 18 months. Yeah. I suppose the first question to address is why didn't we record in the intervening time? And I have a variety of excuses. Which one would you like to hear first? Um, Can we have the third one first? Yeah. (laughs) The third one first. So I think in no particular order of importance and not certainly attributing any blame, a couple of things became quite difficult. So I changed jobs last year. And that was both busy towards the end of my old job and very busy at the beginning of my new job, which involved quite a lifestyle change. So was that 2022 then? Yeah, uh, in 2022. So uh, that, that involved a huge amount of change. And I think if I'm completely honest, from a personal perspective, one of the challenges about starting the new season is always that, you know, kind of, we try to do some prep, we try to get ahead. Mm -hmm. And so the work to start the season is actually always feels to me like it's more than the business of actually recording the episodes week after week. It's next week. We'll do it next week. Yeah, we'll do it next week. It's that kind of thing. Because by the time we're you know, meeting every week to record, we've got an outline of the shows, the topics yeah. we want to talk about. We've done some research. We've fixed any technical issues, you know, got all the audio stuff working and that kind of stuff. And that, if I'm completely honest, by the time all the work stuff was done, I was just out of energy. I didn't have any space in my head, let alone in my energy reserves, you know, to sort of do mm. that prep and to commit to, right, for the next 10 weeks of yep. It's normally longer than that, isn't it? Yes. We're going to do this. Mr. McLeod, you were all over the world. Yeah, I was in Muscat. Yeah, I mean, and, th- th- and that did add its own challenges just because mm. I was usually three or sometimes, was I four hours ahead at some point? I think, yeah, yeah that got quite difficult depending on, yes. on, the, on the season and the dates. Just because, you, you know, I'm, it's, it's midnight, <laughs> one o'clock in the morning, and think sometimes two o'clock in the morning we're finishing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, try and sound more energetic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so the amount of caffeine I would have to have just to keep going. So it's nice to be back in the UK at the moment. For me, it was less about the work and more about the topics, right? Because I, mm. I felt we'd done smart home, smart home, smart home. I just I was waiting for, I felt a little bit of time had to pass because now I've got lots of opinions and now I want to hear your opinions as well. Because one of the reasons I like doing this is to hear what Ben and Rafe say, think, and how they run their lives. It's just really interesting, yeah. For me, I mean, we've been doing this now for more than 10 years and we've had some breaks before and mm-hmm. we've, we've, we never sort of did the unending, continuous, you know, week after week after week. We've always, you know, had little rests. But yes. for me, the sign of needing a rest is when I move from being genuinely personally interested in topics and yeah. having read about them yes. and heard about them and investigated them as perhaps part of my job or as out of my own interest to almost trying to sort of explain or talk about topics, you know, kind of learning it and then repeating it and Mm. sort of starting to, you know, let the need for new areas to drive you into areas that actually aren't your passion. And yeah, Yeah. I mean, I I really, I really like home automation and I really want to talk about home automation some more, but nothing had happened, you know, like (laughs) there was was no, there was no news. And, you know, kind of, I'm more than happy to talk about my journey in setting up my own automated home. But there's only so much you want to hear about yeah. the nuances of my products, you know, that I've, I've used or whatever. So, yeah, I think we, uh, we needed a break. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny actually reflecting, I think, personally, I don't know about you guys, the returning to normal, and I'm doing my bunny ears mm-hmm. quotes here, post-pandemic, getting back to work, getting back to normal yeah. life, getting caught up with travel and family and all the stuff you put off and getting back to actually in some ways has felt just as disruptive as the huge interruption that everybody was having at the same mm. time, you know, kind of of, you know, sort of stop the world. We did lots of pandemic stuff, didn't we? We did, we did a lot of recording well, in pandemic. We did lots of pandemic stuff, but also I feel at that time, like we, you didn't have to apologize for everything being weird because we were all at different rules in different parts yeah, of the world and we yeah. were all coping with it, you know, so 
you know, you and you and I were sort of thinking about kids and, and mm. you know, schools and that kind of stuff. And Rafe was continuing to try and work, you know, but while still, you know, being remote, you know, being concerned about the welfare of his colleagues all dotted around the place. So I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just me, but the going back to work, it almost felt like everything was just supposed to suddenly click back to normal. And it was like, you weren't allowed to think, oh, this is hard because yeah. it was just normal. You know, how could exactly. going back to normal be difficult? But I think, yeah, personally, it, it took a lot of time. So Blanford? I don't have an excuse. <laughs> I've, missed, I've missed my colleagues and compatriots there doing this. I do think I've got quite a bit to say now after 18 months. I'm a little bit worried I'm rusty on the on-demand analysis when Ben asks the question. He's like, I didn't know you were going to ask that, Ben, and I just have to wind up and go. To be honest, I just live on the pure adrenaline of watching the shocked look in your eyes as you, <laughs> as, as you realise that I'm going to about to ask you a question that you probably don't know the answer to. Actually, I was just looking at our topics list. Mm. So, you know, since we've been away, Elon Musk and social media stuff's happened. And I mean, I don't want to get into talking about it, oh, but I've got, got opinions. Yeah. But that's happened. Mm. I've bought an electric car, and so I now have opinions about right. that. Excellent. I've replaced loads of my smart speakers and, and investigated that sort of area. Chat GPT and the whole AI thing has blown up into public consciousness. Apple have launched a you know virtual reality headset. So you know I really feel like you know the idea of three six one was always we started being interested in mobile mm. and we just sort of followed the threads of what interested us you know the world around it yeah. as we always say and um, you know we followed those threads out and I think like they've gone far enough that there's actually some reflection and some discussion to be had now. Yes, I'm looking forward to getting back into those chats. And what we're going to do to say hello to the listeners? Yeah, shouldn't we be saying hi? you know, welcome. Because there's been a lot of podcasts going on in the 18 months. I've discovered quite a lot of new, and lots of new ones have launched. And I was really surprised how many people, and I mean, I'm talking tens, but my expectation was zero. So tens was surprising. Emailed even 12, 18 months in, you know, are you coming back? Are you going to do another podcast? Mm. I miss it. Months ago, I made a 361 podcast Mastodon account as preparation mm. you know for, yeah. for coming back and wanting to keep our presence and you know a couple of people jumped up and down on that and said oh it's fantastic you know quick get something out you know publish mm. something and it was nice and actually i think that reminded me about kind of why i do this which is not just because i like the sound of my own voice but also the sense that the conversation hasn't just been fun for us it's been fun for other people and then that sort of drives this conversation because we're not trying to sell advertising. We're not trying to, yeah. you know, make money. We're doing it for the personal reward. And I think we always said, hey, but how do you connect to Netflix when you're abroad? <laughs> well, Ewan, actually, I need just to tell you very quickly about Squarespace. It's an interesting new web platform. And uh, when I told you about that, I've also My got leading several, VPN provider friend. Several brands of mattress I need to discuss. <laughs> do you sleep well? I sleep well. <laughs> I sleep well because I lay face down on the floor crying at the end of a word. Yes. So yeah, it, there's none of that. But the point was, this was always, we're all in professions that are involved in talking to people about technology as mm. consultants, as advisors in our day job. And this was a really nice way to gently exercise those muscles in a different context that could yeah. be fun. So, and I'm looking forward to coming back to it. We say hi if you've got here. In fact, if you're still there. If you're still listening, why? If you're still there, send word, send notes, tell us, are you there? And thank you to those that reached out. It really was appreciated. Yeah. We will be doing some more interactive uh, stuff. I think we should manually reply, right? Because it's, it's, it's all right getting a reply from Ben, but that's a little bit. Can't they get a reply from each of us? Well, not too long ago, we made Rafe Blanford write a lot of postcards, far more than I think he was ever expecting. So I'm not going to make a live <laughs> promise on his behalf again. But uh, yes. Why, why ever not? We <laughs> usually do. Rafe is going to send you a bar of chocolate to wherever you are on the planet. <laughs> Rafe is going to come to your house and shake your hand. Yeah. <laughs> yes. but, so I think we'll come up with something fun. Yes. But actually, the other thing for me is looking at the topics that we're going to talk about here. I've made a list of all of the kind of interesting things that I wanted to just mention. You remember we used to have sort of thing of the week, yes, you know, just yes. like, a, hey, you know, have you tried this mm. app? Have you tried this service? Mm. And I've actually got, you know, kind of like tens of those now yes. because there's been time to go and play and do and stuff. So you know, I'm excited to start making some recommendations and I'd really like to, you know, sort of add an aspect to the show of saying, you know, I had this problem, I solved it this way. Has anyone else solved it a better way? Yes. Because then in there is some value. I'm going to trail my first one. I bought a new car. Mm -hmm. Whoop. It only had wired CarPlay 
So I could only plug my phone in to get the you know navigation up right. on the screen with a wire. And that was rubbish because that was really inconvenient and I kept forgetting to plug it in and the wire was trailing around the car. So I've learned about a whole world of wireless CarPlay and adapters and all those kinds of things. And I'm going to talk about that in a future episode because it's been really interesting. Oh, okay. That's interesting because I only ever do wired CarPlay. Well, my, my other car had, had it wirelessly and oh, I got rather used yes. to that. So. Okay. Anyways, so we should wrap up. Thank you for listening, if you have been. and just what, Send us an email to say that you're still alive, if you are listening. And there'll be more of us, and maybe a few jokes, but probably more content in the show. Why the long face? More casual chat post-show afterwards. And for at least a little while, we will give Rafe Blanford a slightly easier ride. Woo! So that new listeners who don't understand about Rafe Blanford's history as an aristocrat in a large stately home mm. can learn with us as we go and we won't alienate any more people. Yes, we better introduce that again later on. Absolutely. Mm. Okay. Thanks very much, gents. Speak to you next week. Bye. See ya.